And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, James, it is a late October, end of October, early November podcast. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. What are you going as tonight? Uh, I have not dressed up since I was in elementary school. Yeah, so there's two camps of people. It's people that love dressing up and people that hate it. And there's a, like, I mean, as adults, obviously kids all like dressing up. I love getting dressed up. I'm dressed up almost every year. So can you tell me some of your costumes? Well, I haven't, like, gone all out in terms of, like... The best one I have is Jack Skellington. I have, like, the full, like, you know, Jack Skellington from Nightmare Before Christmas. I actually never saw that movie. Oh, it's fantastic. Okay, maybe I'll add that to the list. I can list. put it on right now if you want. It's, in my, <laughs> it's sitting in my living room. I can do the rest of the... Here, let me put it on. <laughs> We're in my living room, and the, my kids had all the, all the costumes out for the last, like, two weeks because he knew Halloween was coming. So, Jack Skellington, he's, like, this big, tall, thin guy. So, it fit. You know, it works, it works for me. And so, I, I spent a lot of money on the costume. Like, it's a real legit one uh, with a mask and everything. So, I've been that, like four times or something and then other years i've been batman and other years i've been i don't know lesser impressive costumes i actually can't remember the last costume i would have worn yeah you don't you don't seem like a big costume guy i kind of like it because you i don't know especially the ones that are like really over the top i think it's fun like i don't have anything against it i just it's not something i would do anyway um so happy November! Did you um, see? Did you see Kitty Strang stories about the Halloween? No, I got it on my list of things to read, but I saw the picture of Shanahan and Iserman. It's great. So the picture is Shanahan as Batman and Iserman as Robin, and it's like apparently in the bathroom of some trendy restaurant in New York. And Shanahan like knew the guy and like gave him the picture and said, "Put this up in in your restaurant." But the story is fantastic. It's about 
Katie Strang uh, wrote about why Halloween parties are such a big deal for NHL teams. And it's totally true. Like, I remember, like, when I first started covering the Leafs, I remember writing about the Halloween costumes and all that stuff because it was the players get so into it and Mm -hmm. go so over the top. And that's, like, 12 years ago. Like, now it's gotten even more elaborate than it was back then. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Like and it's probably for the teams. It's like a good little bonding thing. Yeah, that's what Katie wrote. That like it's early in the year, so it's like the perfect time for like the players. There's lots of, if you look at turnover on rosters, like you look at the Leafs roster, how many new guys are there? Seven or eight? Like there's lots of new wives and new players, and they don't know each other mm-hmm. that, that well. And and one thing I liked in the story that that Katie had was that uh, some players said that they started referring to each other just as what they were in their, in their costume and stuff like that because they didn't still didn't know each other that well early on in the year. So, I was trying to get Mark Masters to go as Mike Babcock to practice today, but he wouldn't do it. Anyway, that would have been a good costume, no? How would he have done that? Just wear like a, ba- a Leafs baseball cap, uh, blue t-shirt and shorts, just like Babcock talks to the media every day. I think it would have been great when he goes to interview Mike and he's wearing Mike's outfit. Anyway, it didn't happen. So welcome to the Leaf Report brought to you by the Saki Hall of Fame. Um, I think we know where to start with this episode of the podcast. Yes. William Nylander. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so Austin Matthews out minimum of a month, probably longer than that. I think that's like 13 games, 13 to 19. Uh, you wrote about that for The Athletic. Um, where should we start? I, I think the... The most interesting thing about it is twofold. A, what you wrote about, like how does it affect Matthews? Is it something that they're going to have to worry about? And then like how does it affect the team? So maybe let's start with Matthews just because like I think the shame of it is he was going for a big year. Like he was probably going to be a heart contender. He was probably going to be a Rocket Richard contender. He was probably going to have 90 to 100 points, maybe more. And now it's all none of that stuff's going to happen. So he's so, and he's so frustrated with it, right? Because he had to go through this last year where he probably would have had like a huge year. He probably would have finished second or third in goals behind Ovechkin last year, maybe even potentially caught him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the thing that people miss is that he had a huge year last year and that the injury slowed him down a little bit. And then if they hadn't have happened, who knows where he would have been and who knows, you know, maybe we would have, would have been talking about, maybe he would have had a better playoff too. I mean, I think it's, it's, highly possible that the three injuries really slowed him down the last injury kept him out late february to late march i mean he came back not very long before the playoffs started Mm -hmm. so um well actually to to interrupt you one of the things that mike babcock said repeatedly last year is he never felt like matthews was the same after he got hurt and the first one i believe was his back and he said he never skated the same after that and like it makes total sense and then you add a concussion then you add a shoulder injury and it's just like Suddenly, your your season is just so jagged and jarred and all screwed up. What so what the Raptors are doing with Kawhi, where they're sitting him games, is that because he's coming back from injury? Like, I wonder if NHL teams should do that more because, like, if you have a back injury and you're thrown into an NHL schedule and it's like three point one games a week with all the travel, there's no time to like do rehab or like recover from. Like, if you're in a high stakes game playing eighteen minutes a night every second night. It's pretty hard to recover. It seems almost very common sense. like, And it seems like something the NHL will eventually get to. Where if you have a back-to-back and one of those games is on the road, you'll just take Ron Hainsey or even you'll take John Tavares and just say, you know what, you're not going to play this game. We're just going to – we're worried about May and June and like we're worried about preserving you long-term as opposed to like just winning this game. Well, and especially when you're a good team and you know you're going to make the playoffs and 
you've got extra players that you yeah. need to play at some point. Like Justin Hall's been sitting there and, you know, Andreas Janssen has sat out a bunch of games and they could call someone up from the Marlies. Like it's, I mean, I'm not saying sit Matthews all the time. I'm just saying like the goal needs to be to get him to 100% by the time the playoffs come. I mean, to what you were talking about off the top, um, the one question I wanted to try and answer, and I don't know, uh, I don't know anything about shoulder injuries really, other than what we've written over the years. The one thing I wanted to try and learn and talk to surgeons and uh, about the was like is is the fact that he's had two of these, I guess three all time, if you go back to when he it was in minor hockey. Does that mean anything? Does that mean that there's something wrong with Matthews? Mm-hmm. And the people that I talk to, the doctors that I talk to, don't think so. They think that it it's just kind of a fluke that this has happened. Now you talk to some trainers and they say, yeah, he can probably like strengthen his upper body a little bit better. And maybe some of it could be like imbalance in the way that he, his posture and things like that. And the other thing that I didn't get to in in the story I wrote about this that is interesting is um, some people talked about um, that maybe Matthews needs to have just a slightly better uh, awareness of what's happening on the ice. And that sometimes that's, Mm -hmm. he's getting caught by these big hits um, frequently and not bracing for them because he doesn't yeah. didn't quite see them coming. So mm. that's something that uh, that uh, some of the people I talked to said that they've noticed. Like the Islanders hit where he got crunched in the middle, yeah. and then like it's almost like Matthews is putting himself in a danger. I mean, obviously you want him going into dangerous spots. It's just hoping that his body's going to be prepared for that. But the thing that really bothers me is you look at like Twitter uh, and stuff and people are calling him Mr. Glass and making fun of the, him being injury prone and all this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, I was thinking about it. It's like, it's not that uncommon for a player over his for over three seasons, in the NHL to miss 20 games one year and 15 games another year. Like that's mm-hmm. pretty normal. You look at how many games at Crosby or Malkin or Eichel's missed a lot of games. Uh, Stamkos has missed a ton of games. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of unfair this early in Matthew's career to try and say he's this or he's that. Well, it just kind of reminds you how remarkable it is that Patrick Marlowe hasn't missed a game Ovechkin. since, like... Someone was talking about Ovechkin, like, the number of games he's played with the way he plays. Well, yeah. but, like, Marlowe's at, like, 90-something percent of games played. Like, he, he, I don't think he's missed a game since, like, the 08-09 season or something like that. Um, there's some luck to that. There's, like, some something with his body to that. But, like... You look at his injuries, so back injury, I don't know, back injuries happen, concussion, he gets hit at the end of the Pittsburgh game by Riley, and then shoulder, you mentioned the one with the Islanders, and then this one, like, it's not, it's not to the point yet where it's like, I don't know, I don't think it's deep enough, but if it gets to a point, like, Joffrey Lupo was one, I know he didn't like when people said he was injury prone, but, like, he was just prone to getting hurt, and at some point, you cross a barrier towards being somebody gets hurt and it's not your fault like it's just like i don't know it just happens but um, i'm not sure we're there yet no we're not there yet this could no. have been way worse you know the- well like in your story uh, i think the surgeon said like if he dislocates his shoulder then then there's trouble then there's surgery and then he's he's out a few months like basically what the surgeon said is that if this was a dislocation and he tore the labrum part of the shoulder he'd and he's 21 years old. He's like, you wouldn't have to do the surgery because you don't want to screw around with like, he, he said, he said, if you don't do the surgery, it's going to be like dislocating on him all the time. It's going to be happening and it's going to be a chronic problem. So you do the surgery and I think it's like a five month recovery. Like it's a very significant surgery to repair that. So 
well, what Matthews has and what that is that I think people are thinking about with a shoulder injury is like it's completely different. Well, I can't remember the exact injury, but I think when Kessel was traded to yes. Toronto, he was coming off that. Yes. Yeah. He and he's been fine since. Yes. Well, in that some players say that when they get that, that surgery that it, it helps. It like strengthens the that part of the body. And and like you think of other players, like I'm just while you were talking, I was just thinking like Crosby, Malkin, like those guys had stretches where they got hurt a bunch and then years go by and they don't get hurt. Like it's just there's some unlucky to, unluckiness to this. The only part with the Truba one is like it was what you said. He just didn't see it coming. So he couldn't brace himself to absorb the blow and that's why it was what it was, it seemed like. Right. And Truba's a they're both he's huge. Yeah, he's a big, strong guy. Like they both are. They're both and he was really moving too. Like he was yeah. so Well, so one thing I've reconsidered in like two days. So I wrote after he got hurt that like they're better positioned to survive this time. And they, they survived fine last time. Uh when he missed twenty games, they went eleven, seven, and two. And I my initial thought was they're better positioned because they have Tavares and like I still think that's probably true because having a one-two of Tavares and Kadri is a lot better than having a one-two of Kadri and Bozak or Nylander whoever but I started thinking more about a story I wrote the week before about their depth and now I'm wondering if maybe they're not as well positioned to absorb this just because they don't have a lot of guys right now well, who you look at and say those guys are going to score. The thing people have to keep in mind is that they're not just missing Matthews, they're missing Nylander. And right. if you look at the well, way their but like, the way their team was built was with like five weapons up front, Tavares, yeah. Matthews, Nylander, Marner, who am I forgetting? Kapanen maybe, I guess. Like Kadri, I'm Kadri. forgetting Kadri. They had five weapons up front. So if you take two of the five out, you're down to three spread over four lines and it, it, team it well, and so, then, someone commented on on my story and said, "Without Matthews and without Nylander, they're kind of like the Islanders. Like they're kind of like Tavares has to do a lot on his own because there's just not a lot on this team." And it's there. It, someone said they're the Islanders with good goaltending, and I don't think that that's that far off. Well, and it it it's um, I forget. I'm trying to find a word, but I don't know what it is. But it's accentuated. That's the word when. Um, Andreas Janssen hasn't been himself yeah. or hasn't delivered like I think they thought he would. Yeah. Connor Brown is, we don't know what he is as an offensive Marlo. player yet. Patrick Marlowe looks like he's slowed down. He has one goal. Josh Levo, that line has been good. That fourth line's been good possession-wise. But, but Ennis isn't going to score. Goche's not going to score. Levo doesn't look like he's going to score. Suddenly, like you look at their lineup and you're like, who's going to score? And like Zach Hyman doesn't have a goal. It's like suddenly... Even, they just aren't as deep as you maybe think they were. Like I, I heard a lot of people that first day when Matthews is out, uh, like reporters are being like, uh, it's nice that you have the depth that you have. And and Mike Babcock mentioned, I'm not sure that that's true. <laughs> and that kind of ties back to what I wrote about it. I'm not sure that they're as deep as we think they are. I always think it's hilarious when there's like, there's this thing that's like the narrative of the day in the dressing room and kind of in the scrums and whatever that happens. And I always think it's hilarious because Babcock... A lot, like it, he does not. Sometimes coaches, other coaches, will just be like, just ride with whatever the narrative of the day is, and just like say yeah. the thing and whatever, and like just get out of that scrum. Babcock doesn't do that. Like sometimes there's the narrative of the day, and he's like, yeah, no, <laughs> and that's kind of what he did. Is like he's like, we'll see if we have more depth or not. I don't know, and I think that that's the right answer. The right answer is that they need some of these other guys to step up, and and the, and the thing too is that without having Nylander, 
that's another option that they could move to the middle. Like yeah. a lot of people are saying, well, they were fine without Matthews last year; they'll get by. But it's like, yeah, but they had Bozak and they had Nylander that they could both put at center ice, which they don't have. Yes, John Tavares is great, and they've got Kadri, who I think has been excellent this year. But I think the good teams in the NHL now, you need three good centers. You really do. Otherwise, the matchups get really tough. And Lindholm, I think, has exceeded my expectations, but he still should only be on the fourth line. And if you put him on the third line, there's been games where he's played over 18 minutes. Well, that was playing with Kadri, but... But still, the, the like, issue the issue with Lindholm is in that line, which is Janssen, Lindholm, and Brown right now, is I'm just not sure that they're going to be able to score. And like you need, and and if the fourth line's not going to score, suddenly like you look at their team and you're like, where are they going to like? They're going to be depending on two lines. And I think it's interesting. Uh, it looks like they're going to put Marner back with Tavares. Then you look at the Kadri line. And you're like, how is that line going to score when it's Marlowe, Kadri, and Kapanen? Because other than when he's played with with Matthews, we haven't really totally seen Kapanen be like a an offensive player like he scored the one goal with Tavares but it I don't know like suddenly they just don't look as threatening as they did um which I guess isn't a total surprise so okay how many goals like if if Matthews was healthy all year how many goals do you think he would have scored 45 I think he would have scored 50 well let's 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 be conservative 45 to 50 let's be conservative we'll say 50 how many if Nylander played the whole year how many do you think he would get 20 to 30? Yeah, let's say 25. So, like, 25 plus plus 45, 70 goals. How many goals were we thinking the Leafs are going to score this year? 3.3 a game? Like, a really high number, a really aggressive team. So, if you take that, I, I got my calculator going here. So, that's 270 goals over the course of the year. If you take 70 goals out of that lineup, out of the 270, that's, like, almost 30% of your offense right there. Yeah. It's, how do you make that up? That's, well, you make it up by you. You can't make it up totally, but you can survive if Janssen gets you twelve, and Brown gets you twelve, and like you know what I mean. And Ennis gets you ten, and right. like and that's not happening. And right that's now. not. And I'm and I'm not sure it's gonna happen. Like I don't. I don't know who in that group. The only guy I look at in the group, and that's why I don't know if I made this point strongly enough when I wrote about it. But like I think Andreas Janssen is like the key to them having depth because he's like the one guy you can look at in the, that group and say that's a guy who can get you. 15 to 20 goals and maybe 40 points. The other thing, you look at the Marlies and it's like, who would you call up from there that you could... They're, sl- they're not as deep organizationally. That They're at this period right now. and They need to restock the cupboards, right? But they're at this period where they've graduated some of their prospects. Yeah. And now they're, they the next group isn't ready yet to be contributors. Like Engvall's not ready. Grunstrom's not ready. I think Trevor Moore could probably play on your fourth line. But like he's still... You don't know what he's going to give you. He's and like, probably going to come in and do the same thing that like Ennis and Levo and those right. Guys like are they're, doing. they're just they they're they need time before that next wave of like SDAs and whomever else can be prospects. And I think SDAs had a hard time in junior, right? I think he's I think he's I don't think he has a point of game is what I saw. So that's what's going on. That's what's up. So podcast, yes, is brought to you by Saki All Fame, and it's also brought to you by the Athletic. Take it away, James. Yeah, The Athletic has stepped up and uh, really been a huge supporter of the podcast this month. And what they're doing is they're offering a 40% discount for our listeners. So if you go to theathletic.com slash leafreport, you get that 40% deal off. I know a lot of people listening probably already subscribe to The Athletic. Thank you so much for your support. Um, The whole reason why The Athletic has become what it has become is because people have signed up. Um, a huge part of that first I I joined almost two years ago a huge part of that first wave uh, of the athletic uh, going basically from 
a very, very small company with eight sports writers to what it is now uh, was Leafs fans signing up. So, um, you know, you guys helped, I think, revive my career to an extent. And it's been amazing to be part of it the last two years. And now to be able to hire people like Jonas and Justin Bourne and Tyler Dello and Pierre Lebrun and Eric Duhatchik. I don't know. Who do you like working with on our staff? All the guys you mentioned. I just like I, I really like reading about other sports as well. Um, so like basically if you're a fan of any team, the athletic is like has something for you to read, which is right. great. And more we just announced on Monday that we hired Dan Robson from from Sportsnet and he in my mind is the best if one of the best, if not the best, long form sports writer in Canada. So, you know, we wanna keep getting bigger uh with the athletic in Canada and we wanna keep um adding quality people like Dan and better and better content. Uh, I think the longer we go along, our content's getting better. I think the stuff, sure. like seeing the growth in in you, Jonas, as a writer has been really cool. Some of the features that you've done that I had never seen you do before you joined The Athletic. Um, and I think that some of the stuff that I'm able to do, you know, like I write about Matthew's shoulder injury, and if it was for another outlet, it might be like 800 words, whereas I can write almost 2,000 and go really in-depth and, you know, have a whole bunch of quotes from a surgeon about, like, how the body works and things like that. You know, we want to give people the depth that they're not going to get somewhere else. So um, if you're on the fence about it, sign up. You get a free trial. Um, you can get 40% off. It's really not a lot of money, and we totally appreciate the support. So it's theathletic.com slash leaf report. It's all lowercase. All right. Let's keep moving. So this is a good transition, actually, to William Nylander. Because one of the things you mentioned in your story, and if you haven't read that story or you haven't signed up, go to theathletic.com slash report, sign up. Or if you have signed up, go read the story. Um, one of the things you mentioned is, does this change, does Matthews getting hurt change the picture when it comes to Nylander? Does it put more pressure on Kyle Dubas to get this done, to, to feel like you have to move? I don't know. Where do you think this... Lots of people say, like, no way, like, Kyle's too smart to, like, be, like, dragged down into that. But, yes, like, I don't think they're going to make a bad deal or a bad trade because all of a sudden Matthews is out. But to say it puts no extra pressure on them getting something done, I think is completely wrong. I mean, obviously, it would be more preferable to get Nylander done now as opposed to three weeks from now. Like, I think if Matthews is there and they keep winning games and they're scoring tons of goals... It's easier, I think, for the Leafs to sit here and let them lose games like the one against Calgary for the month of uh, of November. See, I'm not sure I totally buy that just because the reason you're thinking more – if I'm them, I'm thinking more, A, long-term. You're thinking both. Yeah, but like you're thinking more about like the team you're going to be sporting in the playoffs and how it's worse off if you don't have Nylander. Oh, so if yeah. you win 10 straight games in November – yeah, it's nice, but like it doesn't really change that if you don't have Nylander in the playoffs, you're weaker in terms of being a cup threat. Well, I, honestly, like I think that they should get this done. I think that they should find a way to get this done, even if it's a one-year deal. They got to, they have to, they have to come up with some kind of compromise and get this done. Get him in the lineup, and don't you? I mean, like, there yeah. has to be some way that they can get this done. I'm not sure. Like, I guess it just depends what Neilander's camp is asking for. Like, if they're not willing to come down, let's say the number. If it's eight. a one-year deal, I mean, who cares? Okay, so what's the one year? How much? I don't know. I'm. That's so, the problem. Like, so, like, you have to get that number even right. Okay. Well, let's say that the number they're asking for in a one-year deal is like silly. I don't. We don't know. I'm. We're just speculating. Let's let's say it's 
like really goofy. Let's say six point four million for one year. Mm-hmm. Like obviously you don't want to do that, and it's not a good situation. But if you're looking as closely at trading Nylander as I think that they're contemplating now, like the the situation the Leafs are in now is that they have to at least know what the options are on a trade, and I think that 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 I I know that not for sure, but I'm I'm pretty certain that 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 tour of the league that Kyle Dubas was doing, all the cities he was going to are all teams that could potentially trade a good defenseman for a player like Nylander mm-hmm. and that would be interested in Nylander. Carolina, Minnesota, Philadelphia. I think I'm, I'm missing another one. Minnesota. Did you say Minnesota? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think there were four. But anyway, like I think you can you can think up a trade where they those teams trade a right defenseman, right shot D for Nylander. And that's not the whole package. Like there would obviously be other pieces involved. I think if you're Dubas, you have to be prepared for the eventuality that maybe you have to trade him and you have to see what potentially is out there. And a lot of people are going to say there's no way they can win that trade. If you get like a top pair right D, maybe that makes the Leafs more likely to win now and then over the next couple of years. Maybe. So so one of the teams you mentioned is Minnesota. So let's say Jared Spurgeon's a guy I love to watch play. And his analytics are like yeah, and he plays against he plays huge minutes. He plays against top lines. He kills penalties. Like he does everything. I'm still not sure if I'm Kyle Dubas that I like. There's going to have to be more to that deal, and I'd still be really wary about trading Neander just because like I think hundred percent he can be a star. And as good as Jared Spurgeon is, he is not a star. Like he he helps you this year. I hundred percent agree. But so like it's really dangerous. Like if you get into that territory, we're going to trade him. It's not just about now. It's like about the next seven, eight years. Here's let, let me play devil's advocate. Can the Leafs win the Stanley Cup with the D they have right now? With what we've seen through the first, what is it, 12 games? Probably not. Well, wait a second. I How can't say probably fit? not. I, I, they can. Um, like we've seen decors that aren't much better or maybe worse. It, it makes it a challenge. It seems pretty unlikely. Yeah. It seems like... Uh, would they they need like Dermot to step up and be a top four guy. They need like something mm-hmm. to change. Sure. I mean they yeah, you're right. They, I mean they could win, but so if you can't win with this decor, the the only reason I'm saying this is that I've been looking a lot at, at their cap situation and their roster situation and kind of the, the hierarchy of the organization, uh looking a year and two years and three years down the road. This is a problem that has to get addressed at some point. Mm-hmm. That they need better defense. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure it's coming from the prospects. It might come from the prospects in like three years. It's I don't think it's coming from the prospects in the next two years, two and a half years. At some point, they need probably to do something different with the blue line. I don't want to trade Nylander. I think it's not good. But if you can't come to a compromise, I th- I just think that they need to be in a position where they understand what their trade options are. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's like doing your job. Yeah. Like if they're if they're not looking to see what what is out there in a possible maybe trade, maybe there's like maybe some team thinks Nylander is like one of the best twenty forwards in the league or whatever, and is willing to offer you something unbelievable. And but none of those teams like that you mentioned, there's I don't know what the package looks like. Where if I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm going to do that because there is some risk in trading not some oh, risk. There's lots of risk in trading sure. Nylander and trading him right now before he like takes off that's why i like the idea and we talked about it a lot on two two podcasts ago i really like the idea of like a two or a three or even a four-year bridge deal just because you get to see nylander for a couple more years and like this is you have a way better idea of what he is and this talk of that 
like let's say he gets a bridge deal now for 5.5 or whatever like even if it's a number that's more uncomfortable than what Kuchero got with 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 Tampa um the idea that his third contract is going to be like way out of the realm of them being able to accommodate it I don't think is true if you look at their cap situation two or three or four years from now I think that they could re-sign Nylander on a third contract at eight and a half nine nine and a half million like I think they still could fit that in Okay, so you've been working on a story about this. Can you kind of you, you touch on it there, but you can you kind of clear up the misconception that they've got cap problems and they're going to have cap problems? They don't really have cap problems. I mean, they can keep the the cap's going to go up another four million. Mm-hmm. It's going to be you know around eighty three million for next season probably. I mean, somewhere between eighty two and eighty four. Um, they're going to lose. There's going to be some money coming off the cap a little bit anyway, um, but they can you if you put let's let like let's put really high salaries on these guys. If they pay Matthews twelve million, if they pay Marner nine something, if they pay Nylander seven, if they bring Gardner back at six, you can still fit all that in. Like if you look at what they, you can still fit all that in. You you actually can. It's going to be tight. But 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 then can you still? add can you upgrade no. your defense that's your team no but like when people are saying they have a cap problem and they got to trade Nylander or they got to trade Kadri and like the, the, the people talk about this team like they're the Blackhawks teams that got like pulled apart after they won two cups or whatever that's not where the Leafs are at right now that's just not where they're at like, well I and I guess in like in two years when Marlowe comes off suddenly yeah. there's money to upgrade your defense keeps going up and yeah. The thing that I think people miss is that the Leafs don't have bad contracts. Marlowe is bad, and we can argue that Zaitsev is bad. They do not have like a Lucic. They do not have. There's a bunch of there's like there's lots of teams that have a whole bunch of bad contracts. Most teams have more bad contracts than the Leafs. I would argue. Hmm. I don't like. I don't. Basically, like the argument is okay. You can keep this group together, basically, but is that good enough? And if the answer is no, then you got to come up with some other solution. Well, and so part of the answer, if if you think it's no, is you let Gardner walk, you move Dermot up, and you try to upgrade the the right side of your top four, which is hard because like there's you got to not... give some up. Yeah, and so like that's why the Gardner know. thing is fascinating. It's really, really. I think that they need to throw Dermot more into the fire and see what he is because you need to decide if you've like. It, like, yeah, it, but how do you do that? Like, that's easy to say. It's it's harder to do. Where do you put him? Hainsey's deal's up. Yeah. And if Gardner's deal's up and you don't resign him, you're losing two of your top four yeah. on a D that already wasn't great. Yeah, but in theory, you can move Ojeganov into your top four and maybe, I don't know, maybe you pay Lilligren in the NHL next year, which I, I'm not sure of. That's um, The kids aren't ready yet. They're just yeah. not. Like, I think they're going to be good players, but they're just, they're not ready. So... Hmm. Well, so one thing you, you there's two things I want to mention. Um, one is like you wonder if you're Neander and if you're Dubas. If I'm Dubas, I'm thinking at some point he's going to have to realize that either he's going to sign or he's not going to play. And so, like, if I'm Neander, I'm thinking like, man, the closer we get to December first the closer the chances are that I'm just not going to play, and all the cards are in their hands. Like, if if they don't want to trade me. They could just let him sit out the year. Like, if, I, if I'm ranking the moves, signing him at a, a bad contract 
Um, I think the worst thing they can do is make a trade to make a trade. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if they just let him sit. Well, it would certainly send a message to the other guys. <laughs> well, like it, it's it's more – I would rather do that, just have him sit out. And he's still mine. He's still our property if I'm the Leafs. Then make a bad trade and, and risk losing a guy with his potential. Like, yes, it would hurt them in terms of competing for a cup this but year. I don't think, but I think that's a false dichotomy. Like, I think the decisions are sign him to a bridge deal that's a little bit more inflated than you want to give a guy or make him sit for the whole year. I think. Of course. But, like, if why haven't they gotten it? Like, why, why is there no bridge deal? Like, clearly they're still apart on what they think even that should look like. Okay, well, like, how far apart could they actually be? This is what always – I remember writing about the CBA talks in the, the half season, 2012-13. Uh, and I wrote – I remember writing for the Globe. All along, it's like, there's going to get to be a deal done. There's going to be a season. Because some people were saying, oh, the, and the NHL was talking tough about how there's not going to be a season. And I was just looking at the numbers, and it's like, they're too close. The two sides are too close together to lose a season over it. It was like they were like two hundred million apart, or like some small number in terms of league revenues. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at a bridge deal realistically, how far apart can they actually be? Well, the other thing about it is like even on a long term deal, let's say it's like around eight that Neander wants something in that ballpark, and the Leafs want it closer to seven. Is it really worth it? to lose him for a year and just no. sign him for seven and a half or whatever right. the number is. Like, yeah, I wonder if, yeah. The thing is, like, Neilander, I've I, I really believe this. Like, I don't think there's a world where you're going to look at this contract, even if it's seven and a half, even if it was eight, we're overpaying him. Like, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Like, I, I think he's going to outplay the contract. I agree with you. I can play devil's advocate again. Like, I think some people in around the league believe that Neilander. You can win with Nylander as kind of like your, like, he's kind of like Kessel in some respects. You can win with him if he's like your fourth best player, but you can't win with him if he's like more than that. And the Leafs are, are fortunate in that they've, he probably is their third or fourth best player. He might be their fifth best player. He, yeah, yeah. Some people on Twitter are going to take issue with well, you saying, like, saying that. Okay, so Nylander, or sorry, Marner, Matthews, Kadri, Tavares. Like, people get their backs up when you say Marner's better than Nylander. I get, I get some blowback from that. I believe they're, one and one A, they're the same boat. Right. Neilander's a better scorer. Marner's probably Marner's uh, better on the power plays. Yeah, and like they're probably seen. pretty comparable as passers. Anyway. So anyway. I don't know. I'm on the Neilander is like become underrated train. Like I think I don't know why that's happened. Yeah. Uh obviously I've, part of it is he hasn't played. I've mentioned this in, in my stories, but I think that there's some concern. The Leafs organization knows Neilander pretty well. Like they had him with the Marlies and Dubas knows him pretty well. Mm-hmm. I think there's some concern that does he get better defensively? Does he get harder on the puck? Does he do those those things that Babcock talks about with Neilander and sure. he has talked about for years? Does he figure that out? And if we give him a seven year deal or whatever and he doesn't figure that out is he still exceeding the value of the contract? I I think he probably is. I think he figures it out anyway. Yeah, I mean, I kind like of... he genuinely. The one thing with Neander that that doesn't come across well, and like when you see him on TV or like you see his like whatever Instagram, Twitter, like how he looks, he like wants to get better. Like he spends more time on the ice after practice than just about anybody. Like he he loves hockey. Like he wants to play. It's just like game to game to game. Sometimes he's not going all the time. Right. Like that's the thing that I think drives Babcock nuts. And I think there's this shadow of his dad kind of hanging over it a little bit because sure. his dad kind of had a bad reputation for the kind of player he was. And yeah. I think probably how he dealt with the media and some of those things. And 
I think some people download some of that perception onto mm-hmm. to William. Well, and like he's a, like he's a big part of this whole thing. Like I have to imagine that a big part of this is his dad's influence. Like I don't know. I can I can envision a scenario where the dad is telling the son, "You are worth more than this. Do not let them take advantage of you." And the son is like any son. He's like, "Okay." I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's true. Well, but I could just players, see that scenario happening. A lot of players that are as young as Nylander kind of are like, I'm going to let my agent handle it because I don't really understand. Right. I don't know. know what I'm worth. Like, right. I don't know. Right. So what I was going to say when I talked about the dad is I don't know Michael Nylander that well. Like, I didn't cover him. I didn't. So I'm not going to like, sure. I'm not going to like say things about it. I'm just saying that like, there's a lot of people blaming him in this situation. And I'm not going to say whether it's his father or it's not, because I don't know. I, I tried to find out and I wasn't able to. Mm-hmm. No one was willing to say that, that it's the dad's fault. Um, what I was going to say is that our dealings with William Nylander and how we know him, I don't get that. I don't get the sense that he's overly entitled or that he's, you know, um, I like his personality. I mean, I think he's, I think he's a good person. I think he works hard. I think, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be, he's going to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. It's. I think it's still. There's still some gray area with how what his ceiling's going to be. But at the top end, it's super, super high for sure. Like I remember writing that at the end of last year. We don't know. Like what he it's is. still really unclear what he is. Like Marner, you kind of have an idea of what he's going to be. Matthews, you you pretty much know what he's going to be. Neilander can still like. Neilander could score 35 goals and it wouldn't surprise me. Neilander could have 85 points. It wouldn't surprise me. Neilander could be a 60 point player and it wouldn't totally surprise me. Like there's such a range based on his skill. Like he's so skilled. Um, And the other thing is like they are the thing not to discount. Like when the trade stuff comes out, they are a lot worse without him. Matthews is worse without him. Matthews is real. Matthews got off to a historic start with no Neilander. But there's no doubt that he becomes less effective when he doesn't have someone as skilled as him to play well, with. Well, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. You look at the underlying numbers in terms of how much time they spend in their own end and stuff like that. And Matthews is so much better when he's with Nylander, So, Well, and then the rest of their lineup is better because those players like Kapanen can play lower. Like it's just, it's, it's, that's why even if you did trade him, yes, in, in some scenario, like maybe you can get a defenseman who helps you, but then you're worse off up front. And you're not only worse off up front now, well, I, you're worse off up front moving forward. I wonder if the trade is is Nealander for multiple pieces. Yeah, but even like, let's say you get back an NHL forward, you're still worse. Yeah. Like you're still worse up front. So it's like these piles, like anybody who plays like Roto basketball or Roto whatever, like you take off one pile to like yeah. let's say you go get assists. Okay. Suddenly like your steals are lower. I got something else to throw at you then. Okay, let's 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 like play let's say they can get a, a right D who's can play pretty high in their lineup mm-hmm. in a trade. Um people are gonna hate us talking about this. But like I mean, I know fans don't want either to be, be to be traded, but realistically we it has to be talked about as a possibility. Let's just let's just debate this. Well, because this is exactly what the Leafs would be doing. Yes. hundred percent this is exactly what they're doing, yes. Let's say they can trade him for a really good right D and like a third line forward that comes in and gives them like helps them with their depth, and it'll be much easier at the trade deadline or in the off season to improve your forward depth. Like there's just more forwards available mm-hmm. by trade and by free agency than there are defensemen. Like getting that defenseman, you can't get them. There's no one at the at the trade deadline that's a right D that's going to play in your top four. I don't see anybody that's unless you're getting a guy with some term, and there's nobody in free agency that's that either. Like it, so what? Like when I look down at their roster two or three years from now, I'm just wondering. Like they still seem to have that issue on D. Yeah, well, because like Lilligren's not ready, Sandine's 
probably not ready. For Sandin looked great. I mean, but he's a, le- he's a lefty. He's a lefty. He's a lefty. And the one thing, like you watch Neil or you watch Lilligren, and it's like he's still so effing young. Like I think he's nineteen. Um, so he's like still figuring out the age. Now. I know, like we've talked about, like maybe he'll be ready next year. I'm not sure. Like I'm, I, it wouldn't surprise me. And it wouldn't be a bad thing if like it's two more years and like he's probably only ready next year if it's as like a fourteen a minute sunite guy right. that's like super sheltered and then like how much does that really help you well and so this gets to like the team building thing big picture for the Leafs like can you build a team where you're paying your forwards a, a group of four or five forwards four forwards tons of money and have less available on your defense like the Washington Capitals I think were the example of that and the answer until last year was no so I don't know like that's a big picture question. That I, that was something I wanted to ask Dubis, but well, didn't have time for it. The thing it, that Washington had coming that we're not sure if the Leafs do or not is they had like an Orlov who was not making a lot of money. Sure. And then was, they signed Niskanen. Yeah, I wouldn't say Washington is an example of not paying guys on D. I mean, they, they still had... Or, I mean, or Pick was making quite a bit of money. So do you want Pittsburgh? Is Pittsburgh a better example? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's... I mean, the Pittsburgh's kind of an anomaly in that they won with kind of really bad possession metrics and but they've got really high-end talent and their goalie was so good that yeah they were able to compensate for the loss of Latang. i don't know that you would want to build your team like that and say this is the way this is the optimal way to try and but win. it's not that different where you're paying two centers a ton and then you're playing castle the difference is like they don't have that fourth guy no but what i'm saying is i don't know if it's optimal to have a d that's that caliber and try and say this is how we're going to win that's the question. Isn't that part of the big picture question with the Leafs? Well, if the but Leafs... except except that the one thing like their D is like sort of become underrated a little bit. Like Riley's really good. Gardner's really good. Uh, Dermott has a chance to be good. The rest is kind of like a big question mark. But like they've got, it's not like they well, have nobody who's a good D. The other thing I think too, Jonas, that's kind of an elephant in the room is that I think you're right. I mean, I think Morgan Riley is a number one defenseman. Your piece on him today is great. I mean, it kind of highlights what he's accomplished by the time he's you know he's only 24 years old um i don't think their d is like bottom five in the nhl no the elephant in the room i think a little bit is that the system and the way the leafs are playing does not seem to be working a lot and especially doesn't work when you don't have nylander and you don't have matthews like it just they calgary really i think was able to pick them apart and the thing that I noticed in that game is that the Leafs were kind of like dumping the puck in a lot, and Mike Smith is so good at getting the puck. He would just get the puck, and they would be back coming the other way. Well, you way. know what they look? They look they look slow. Anytime they don't play well, they look really slow, which they shouldn't, given the players they have. So that's there's a problem with the system. It feels like, like I watched that game and some of their other recent games, and yeah, you're right. Yeah, they just they don't look like they're maximizing what they are, and I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't know why they they can't fix that. It seems like they're they're stuck in this mindset that they have to play this way, where the D are always trying to make these like long bomb passes, and I I don't really understand why. Uh, one other thing before we go, actually, yeah, we, this one other thing. I want to talk to you about their power play. Um, so obviously Matthews not being on the power play hurts their power play. Um, it's interesting what it looks like they're going to do here for the next little bit is they're going to move Tavares into the Matthews spot and they're going to move Marlowe into the Tavares spot. I think it makes more sense than having Kappen in there uh, because 
Tavares is obviously more of a threat from that spot, and Tavares has played, I believe, on the half wall. I remember him telling me that. Can I interject? One thing Go I've ahead. noticed is that Tavares probably isn't getting enough touches on the puck on the power play. Agreed, yeah. and, and that's part of partly what happens when you're in that net front spot is like you're you're just not touching the puck as much. And he does get it sometimes. He's not. I don't he's know. not being. You like, can make the like, argument he's not being fully maximized in that spot. Right. Well, like Van Riemsdyk, it's like. He, I don't think Van Riems like would give you more if you put him in another. Sure. But Tavares can give you a, like if Tavares is on on the flank or or the wall or whatever. Like we've already seen, he can create a lot in very tight spaces mm-hmm. and he can maneuver. But if you put him in front of the net, like the only reason he was in front of the net is because a he asked to be, and b they had such a wealth of riches on that power play unit that they didn't. But now they need him to be a lot more. So you can't just leave him in front of the net. Well. It, it kind of speaks to like a question that they're going to have to answer here as we move forward. And I don't know if there is a good answer. Maybe like they're better off having him on a different unit. Well, I think the guy... Like, obviously, the unit came out of the gate firing. But like, is, isn't there a world where you could have Neilander and him on a different unit and you could have Matthews and Marner? I don't know. Or, or Matthews and Neilander? I was going to say, I think the guy that plays on the other unit is Kadri, to be honest. That's kind of what I would look to do. Kadri has looked a little bit like a fifth wheel or whatever on the power play. He barely touches the puck. Right. So I wonder if a, that's and that's I think Tyler Dello wrote this about the Leafs power play like really early on in the year that you know eventually if you want to have a really good second unit and Nylander comes back then if Kadri and Nylander are on that unit that's a really really good power play unit. So then you got two, and if you move Tavares from net front to where Kadri is now he's probably more dynamic and yeah. influential on that. Well, and maybe you put. Maybe you keep Marlowe in that net front spot and you just have Tavares in the middle and he's kind of in that bumper spot and he can do more. Yeah. Maybe it maximizes your talent, I guess. I don't I don't mind that. That's one thing like that I think we've underrated and I've been thinking a lot about is they're still really just figuring out how to use all these centers. And obviously now Matthews <laughs> being out kind of Fs it up. But like it they were still just figuring out like how do we get Kadri's minutes? How do we get Tavares's minutes? How do we fit like you know what I mean? Like where should we use Matthews? Like they were giving Matthews tons of offensive zone starts. Like where do we mix in Tavares? Where do we mix in Kadri? You know what I mean? Like I think it was harder and more of a transition than I thought. And that's not a bad thing, it's just I think a reality. You know what's worth a mention is the ice time that was happening in, in against Calgary, the first game without Matthews. I mean Kadri yeah. and Tavares and Marner all played a lot. And that's like, going to happen. That's going to be the norm, I think. It was like 21 and a half minutes, right? So it was 21 and change for Tavares and Kadri, and it was 22 and a half for Marner. And now part of that is they're down, but they just stopped playing their third and fourth lines down the stretch. Because mm. like, none of those lines are going to get you a goal. Mm. But I think those guys, like Tavares and Kadri and Marner, are going to play 20 minutes every game. Don't you? I just don't know how you do unless you're like you get ahead and you're you don't have to chase a goal. But I no, know. I'm not saying it doesn't <clears throat> make sense. I'm just saying it bears mentioning because sure. it's a big change from what we've seen Babcock do previously. Like he's he's leaning harder on, and he said after the Calgary game he was not happy with how the way his best players played. I didn't think that was a very good game for for Marner. No, so I don't know why, but he had a some couple. games like you just don't have it, right? Yeah. There's a lot of games. I was yeah. watching like the Raptors game last night. I don't know if you were. Ben Simmons for I was the at Sixers. Dan Robson's book launch. Okay, so you were not watching them. The... I bought Dan Robson's book. It's about Johnny Bauer. It looks amazing. Yeah, I'll have to get that too. Um, but Ben Simmons, like who was won the Rookie of the Year in the NBA last year, 
he had 11 turnovers. Like, it just like, like every time he, he touched the ball, he was going to lose the ball. Like, he just didn't have it. And Marner looked the same way the other night. Like, won. Yeah. Right. So, anyway. I think that's it. The so, theathletic.com slash leaf report. 40% off, two ninety nine a month. I think this is the last week we're offering the promo. So, if if you want in, join in. Um, and, you know, I'd be interested if if you sign up and you're new to The Athletic and you think there are things that we can be doing better uh, let us know because we want to be better and we like getting feedback from people that have subscribed. So, any, or even if you're an existing subscriber, send me a tweet and say, like, I'd love to see more of this or more of that. Or can you do a story on this? Like, Jonas and I are, we're paying attention to what people are saying and we're happy to. I mean, the whole reason we're doing this job is that so people like what we're doing. I mean, we're not doing this, you know, it's that, that's, that's part of, of what makes the athletic kind of cool is that the subscription model is we, want to please the subscribers so by all means don't don't feel like it's uh just us talking to you like you can talk back to us and tell us what you want to see well so james wrote about matthews and and kind of the long-term ramifications of his injury if there are any i wrote about morgan riley and kind of his growth and i don't know if you want to mention anything about that but like my premise is like he can become one of the best defensemen the least i've ever had Part of that is the Leafs just haven't had a ton of really good defensemen, but like he's unique in that sense. So if you want to read about that, go to theathletic.com. Uh, podcast also brought to you by the Saki Hall of Fame. Tons of cool socks on there, so go check that out. They're 22 bucks. Really good gift, really good for yourself. James is always rocking yeah. them. Christmas is coming. Actually, I got, I, got, I got these ones on today. Athletic Bab socks. Yeah, you can buy socks with the Athletic logo on them if you wanted to. I have like eight pairs, so... <laughs> You should you should definitely wear athletic socks as as often as you can. All right, so let me check my schedule next week. So probably Wednesday or Thursday we'll be back with another edition of the podcast. Oh, one more thing before we go: live show, November twenty ninth at the Rivoli. Uh, you can get your tickets online. Yeah. Anything else? Come drink beer and listen to us do this. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fun. We did it. We did it last month. It was it was really cool actually. So, and. Uh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs>